0: Tantor Audio, a division of recorded books, presents Forever Free, the story of emancipation and reconstruction. By Eric Foner. With commentary by Joshua Brown. Narrated by J.D. Jackson. Publisher's Note. In this audio edition, you will hear references to visual media present in the print and ebook formats of the book. The most magnificent drama in the last thousand years of human history is the transportation of ten million human beings out of the dark beauty of their mother continent into the newfound El Dorado of the West. They descended into hell. And in the third century, they arose from the dead in the finest effort to achieve democracy for the working millions which this world had ever seen. The unending tragedy of Reconstruction is the utter inability of the American mind to grasp its real significance, its national and worldwide implications. This problem involved the very foundations of American democracy, both political and economic. W. E. B. Du Bois, Black Reconstruction in America, 1935. Forward. The struggle for equality in America like that of the ancient Israelites, is of biblical proportions. The story of four million slaves and their transformation from bondage to citizenship is one of the great and inspiring events in world history. We were compelled by this history because it revealed a little-recognized commitment to and embrace of freedom by the nation's African American population before, during, and in the immediate aftermath of slavery's demise. And yet this critical moment in our nation's history has failed to establish itself in the national memory, at least with any accuracy or full depth of understanding. Here was a critical and revolutionary moment of change that was essentially unknown to most Americans, a period that involved not only the destruction of slavery, but also a dozen-year period known as Reconstruction, OF PROFOUND POLITICAL, LEGAL, ECONOMIC, AND RACIAL TRANSFORMATION THAT FOLLOWED THE END OF THE CIVIL WAR. THE UNDERSTANDING OF THE CIVIL WAR AND OF THE WAR'S ROOT CAUSES REVEALS THE CONTESTED MEANING OF THE ERA OF EMANCIPATION AND RECONSTRUCTION. WHAT HAD THE WAR ACCOMPLISHED? WHO HAD benefited AND WHO HAD SUFFERED? WHAT HAD FREED PEOPLE SOUGHT? AND WHAT HAD THEY AND THEIR ALLIES ACHIEVED IN THE AFTERMATH OF FREEDOM? David Blight argues in his influential book, Race and Reunion, The Civil War in American Memory, that the desire in the half-dozen decades following the Civil War to obscure the real causes of the war, the emancipation of four million slaves, led to the denigration of black dignity and the attempted erasure of emancipation from the national narrative of what the war had been about. W.E.B. Du Bois drew similar conclusions 66 years earlier and Black Reconstruction. Little effort has been made to preserve the records of Negro effort and speeches, action, work and wages, homes and families. Nearly all of this has gone down beneath the mass of ridicule and caricature, deliberate omission, and misstatement. As a result, one of the great triumphs for equal rights in American history was obliterated, Overwhelmed by a fascination with the valor of combat, that undue fascination tended to reduce the war to a noble tragedy pitting brother against brother. Whether in novels, popular histories, feature films or television series such as The Civil War, the tragedy and glory of armed combat overrode the central fact that, by its end, The war was about the future of the institution of slavery and the people whom it enslaved. Because such attitudes continued to dominate the historical consciousness of most Americans, and because the facts of Reconstruction remained largely unknown, we felt both humbled and challenged by the opportunity to tell this story anew. The great irony about the titanic struggles that took place during Emancipation and Reconstruction is the nature of the role that the freed people played. Rather than passive recipients of freedom bestowed upon them by the Union Army and the federal government, millions of African Americans actively sought their own freedom during the war by running away from slavery, by sabotaging Confederate efforts on the plantations, and by fighting valiantly as Union soldiers. The freed people also asserted their new-won freedoms in the war's immediate aftermath. A rich array of documents from the period reveals that African Americans embraced the simple rights of citizenship and its responsibilities. They wanted to vote, sit on juries, marry, worship as they chose, ride public conveyances, and own land. They wanted, in short, the chance to participate in the American dream. The violent suppression of that dream haunts us to this day. The what-ifs of the story are legion. What if the brief flowering of equality in the war's immediate aftermath had been allowed to flourish rather than being brutally suppressed? What if the federal government had upheld the Constitution and guaranteed the rights of all its citizens? The story is at once poignant and urgent. The complex legacy of Reconstruction is lived every day in America. Until Americans understand that history, we are, as the saying goes, condemned to repeat it. The book and the project from which it emerged grows out of a long-standing collaboration among historians, writers, and filmmakers. We began work in the late 1980s on film projects about ordinary people and their impact on American history, intended for a broad popular audience. We set out to produce a pilot episode for a television series that would focus on the years immediately following the revolutionary transformations ushered in by the North's victory in the Civil War. In Savannah, Georgia, where we were filming the pilot, we met Wallace Wesley Law, W.W. Law. Mr. Law, as we came to know him, was the living embodiment of the civil rights history of his beloved city and the carrier of its civil rights tradition extending all the way back to the first days of emancipation. Mr. Law spoke eloquently about the colloquy, a little-known encounter in January 1865 between two of the highest-ranking figures in the U.S. government, Secretary of War Edwin Stanton and Union Army General William Tecumseh Sherman, and representatives of Savannah's African-American community. Mr. Law communicated a reverence for the colloquy to everyone who had the privilege of meeting him, including those of us working on the Forever Free television project. It is the clarity and sheer scope of the vision that ordinary black Americans recently liberated from slavery, revealed in their exchange with Stanton and Sherman, that gave us the central idea for the television series and this book. Our colleague and the author of the central narrative in this volume, Eric Foner, has spent two decades on the history of this critical era, most expansively in his critically acclaimed book, Reconstruction. America's Unfinished Revolution, 1863-1877. to 1877. In this book, Foner synthesizes the recent scholarship on slavery, emancipation, and reconstruction into an accessible narrative. In doing so, he makes a powerful case that history is as much about the present as it is about the past. To this end, Foner carries the story forward from slavery Our current era, exploring the many ways in which ideas about race and rights have shaped and continue to shape our experience as citizens. Joshua Brown's essays, interspersed with Foner's chapters, illuminate several themes of the Forever Free Project. They are called visual essays in this book because Brown analyzes the impact of race on the rapidly expanding visual culture that suffused American society throughout the 19th and 20th centuries. In that sense, Brown's essays literally and figuratively illustrate a central theme about American popular culture. It is and always has been a battleground on which cultural attitudes are contested and through which popular attitudes are influenced and shaped. The shape and structure of this book deserves some explanation. The Foner chapters and Brown essays interact in ways perhaps more akin to jazz than to a standard historical narrative supplemented by traditional illustrations. Each stands on its own, but each also enhances the overall argument of the book, playing off the others in considering common themes and the larger meaning of American history. When we brought our editor at Knopf, a proposal for a book with visual essays embedded within the narrative, he did not flinch. Forever Free the book got to the finish line before our planned television series. It remains a story that we believe needs to reach the widest possible audience. Peter O. Almond, Stephen Breyer, December 2004 Seeing Race and Rights Thank you.
1: If he goes two miles right down the road. If you've doubled the number of miles he's gone, if the rate is the same, if you double the number of miles, you should double the number of minutes, right? When you're driving down the road and you're going a certain distance in a certain time, if you double the time that you're driving, then you should be doubling the distance because the rate is the same. So what we're really saying here is that these numbers, one and five, going one mile in five minutes, they're kind of joined together. They're related to each other because it defines the rate that everything is happening. Another way of saying that is a fancy way of saying that this is a ratio. The one, as it compares to the five, the one mile for every five minutes is like a a linked uh, pair of numbers that mean something together. For every one mile you go, It's five minutes. If you go two miles, then you're going to double it to ten minutes, and so on, because the rate is linked together. That ratio is the same. Now, ignore this part of the table here. What we're trying to figure out is what is this unknown value of miles that we we would be required to go, or that we would travel in fifteen minutes. Now, this problem is pretty simple. So I think a lot of people looking at this already know the answer, but let's pretend that you don't, and let's solve it the right way, because I can easily change these numbers to numbers that you can't do in your head. That's not the point. The point is for you to do it the right way. All right. What we've learned is that this is a ratio one as it compares to five minutes. Right. And then this would be some ratio. If, it, if you go one mile in five minutes, you're going to go some other distance in 15 minutes. And these ratios are linked together because the ratios are the same because everything is happening at the same rate all the time, we know that if we go one mile in five minutes, then if we travel 15 minutes, we should go a certain distance that'll be linked by the ratio given in the problem. Another way of saying is that we can build a proportional relationship out of these numbers. So what we're saying is if we go one mile in five minutes, it would look like this. We travel the ratio one mile for every five minutes. This is now a ratio. And since everything is happening the same and the rates are not changing, we can say that it's the same ratio as happening here. It's going to be X number of miles, let's call it X miles, in 15 minutes. So the way you set it up is you say we travel one mile in five minutes, and that's the same ratio, so we set it equal to, some unknown number of miles if we travel for 15 minutes. Now notice the way I've set it up is, You have to have the same things on the top. If you have miles on the top, you have to have miles on the top, and you have minutes on the bottom, and you have minutes on the bottom. They have to be that way for the ratios to to be the same, uh, to be be able to be equal to each other. So one as it compares to five, X as it compares to 15. If you flip this over, then the ratios won't be the same. It has to be miles and miles and minutes and minutes. Okay, now how do we solve this? Let's rewrite it first. One as it compares to five, is x over 15. We want to solve for x. We are dividing by 15 on this side, so we've learned that we do the opposite. We multiply by 15 on the left and on the right. Now this 15 is really 15 over 1. You can think of it as fraction multiplication there. So multiplying the numerators, 15 times 1 is 15. The denominator, 5 times the invisible 1 here, is 5. So all we did was multiply the fractions. You can make it 15 over 1, 15 times 1, 1 times 5. That's what you get. Over here, again, you can write it as 15 over 1, but we've learned that when you have the same number on the top as on the bottom, we can just cancel it. If we did multiply and multiply, we would just have the 15 on the top and the bottom. They're going to divide away. So all you're going to have on the right is just x. And what is 15 divided by 3? It's, I'm sorry, 15 divided by 5 is 3. So we can just say x is equal to three. So we kind of flip it around and we do the division x is equal to three. So what we have basically figured out is that if we go one mile in five minutes, then we turn around and travel for 15 minutes, then we must have gone an unknown number. Now we know the answer to three miles. So in this table we can put three miles. Does this make sense to you? Yes it does, because this is telling you that since the speed is not changing, if you travel one mile in five minutes, if you were to travel two miles, you would double this and you would go 10 minutes, right? If you were to go three miles, right, then you should travel triple this, 15 minutes. So it's a constant ratio. All we've done is basically, this is triple the distance here, so it has to be triple the time. That's why I was saying that you could kind of solve this problem without even doing all of this stuff down here. But that's not the point. The point is to learn how to do it the right way. Because, again, I could change these numbers, so you wouldn't maybe know quite so easily how to do it. All right, let's take a look at the next problem. It's over here. We want to get the unknown number of miles to go 30 minutes, right? There's a couple of ways you could do it, and I'm going to show you two different ways to do it, and we're going to see that it gives you the same answer either way. The ratio here in the beginning of the problem is 1, as it compares to 5, is going to be some unknown value. We're just skipping over this now. Some unknown value, we'll call it x again. So again, miles, miles, minutes, minutes, everything has to be in the same locations. So it's exactly the same problem here. Only thing we changed is put a 30 on the bottom. That's all we did. Now, what do we do to solve it? We want to get x by itself, so we're going to multiply by 30. We'll multiply over here by 30, like this. And what's going to happen, on the left-hand side, this is 30 over 1, really. So 30 times 1 is 30. 1 times 5 is 5, and then you have the 30 on the top and the 30 on the bottom. They're going to cancel, and you're going to get an x. And so let's flip around x is equal to 30 divided by 5 is 6, and we're solving for miles. So this is miles. 6 miles. So what we're saying is if you go 1 mile in 5 minutes, then you must go 6 miles in 30 minutes. Does this make sense? Of course it does. And there's two ways in which you can... Uh, convince yourself that it, that is correct. If it takes one mile for every five minutes, then if you go six times the distance, that means you're going six times the distance, you must take six times the amount of minutes. Five times six is 30. So that's, that's how these numbers make sense. One times six is six and five times six is 30. So six and 30 go together at the same rate or ratio as the other two numbers. The other thing you can look at is the middle one. We solve the middle numbers here in the first part of the problem. But if we know it takes three miles for every 15 minutes, then if we're going from 15 to 30 minutes, it's just multiplying times two. So this must be multiplied times two to also give you six. So we could have solved the problem again. We could have said three miles to 15 minutes, three over 15 is equal to some unknown number over 30. You would have gotten the exact same answer Because the ratio of all three of these is the same. The ratio of this, 1 to 5, is the same as the ratio of this, 3 to 15, is the same as the ratio of this, 6 to 30. It's all the same ratio. All right, let's take a look at problem number two. It says Bethany has a recipe for blueberry jam that uses five cups of blueberries to make two pints of jam. Right, Five uh, cups of blueberries to make two pints of jam use this information to create uh, complete the table below. So we have blueberries and pints of jam. So it's five cups of blueberries, two pints of jam. This, these numbers were given in the problem statement. These are just additional numbers we, we need in order to be able to find the unknown. So you can kind of solve this again in your head, but I, I don't really want you to do it like that. I want you to, to solve it the correct way. The ratio is that for every five cups of blueberries, then it must take two pints of jam. So in terms of a ratio, write it as five over two. That's the ratio of blueberries to pints of jam. Five cups of blueberries, two pints of jam. Then that ratio has to be the same as whatever the ratio is here, 10 cups of blueberries. So that goes on the top and X pints of jam because X is unknown here. So you see it's blueberries, blueberries, jam to jam. You have to have the letters and the numbers in the same locations. Now, how do we solve this? Let's rewrite this. 5 halves, 10x. All right, we need to first move x upstairs. It's currently dividing by x, so we're going to multiply by x, multiply by x. On the left-hand side, we're going to have 5 times x is 5x, 2 times the invisible 1 down here, which is 2, and then the x here will cancel with the x because it's top and bottom, and all we'll have is a 10. In other words, they'll divide away, All you have is a 10 on the right. Now, let's rewrite this. 5x over 2 is equal to 10. How do we proceed? We're dividing by 2, so to get rid of that, let's multiply by 2, and we'll multiply 2 here. We have a 2 on the top and a 2 on the bottom. They will divide away and cancel. So the only thing that I'll have left, I'm going to kind of move and continue over here. The only thing I will have left over here is 5x. The 2 has canceled with the 2, so I've gotten rid of the 2. That's what I'm trying to do. And on the right, 10 times 2 is 20. Now let me rewrite rewrite this step, 5x is equal to 20. How do I get x by itself? I have to do the opposite of multiplying by 5. I'll divide by 5. And of course, the 5 will cancel with the 5. So we've canceled the 5 on the top with the 5 on the bottom. That leaves only x on the left. And on the right, 20 divided by 5 is 4, because 4, uh, uh, 4 times 5 is 20. So what we figured out is that the answer that goes here is four pints, right? So it makes sense if you think about what we're talking about here, because it says the original ratio is five cups for two pints of jam. Now, if we double to 10 cups, then we should double to four pints. So you see, that makes the ratio the same. We've multiplied by two, we've multiplied by two, and so 10 uh, cups of blueberries to four pints of jam is the same relationship as if we had 5 to 2 because all we did to get those numbers were multiply by 2 and multiply by 2, you know, times 2 and times 2. So that's a good way to check yourself. And also, you can probably solve a lot of these in your head. But we don't want to solve them in our head. We want to uh, solve them the correct way. Um, Let's take a look at the last one here. We have 5 as it compares to 2 and some unknown x as it compares to 8. So we have 5 to 2 and some unknown x as it compares to 8, right? Just coming straight out of the table. Let's rewrite it here, 5 to 2, x to 8. How do we get x by itself? We're just going to multiply by 8 because we're dividing by 8 here, multiply by 8. And on the left-hand side, 8 times 5 is 40, and then 2 times the invisible 1 down here is 2. These 8s cancel. That's why we did it in the first place. All we have is x. And so x is equal to 40 divided by 2 is 20. x is equal to 20. So if we go back to this uh, chart here, this has to be 20. And what is it up here? Cups. Right? So let's see if this makes sense. If the original ratio was 5 cups of blueberries to 2 pints of jam, then if we go to 20 cups, then we must be multiplying by 4. 5 times 4 is 20. 4 times the cups of blueberries must be 4 times the pints. 2 times 4 is 8. You can also see if we start here, going from 10 to 20 is a doubling. We double this and we double this and we get to the same place. So the only reason it works like that is because in these problems with recipes and speeds and things where the rate doesn't change, it locks in a ratio. And we use this all the time in math to figure out lots and lots of answers to lots of different kinds of problems here. So I'd like you to go through this yourself, sketch the little table down, and make sure that not only can you look at the table and understand why the answers made sense as we have done here, but also to write them down and to solve them. Because again, I could change these numbers to make them not quite as easy. And then you would have to, you would have to know how to do it and this is the right way to do it. All right, I'd like you to solve all of these yourself and then follow me on to the next lesson. We will continue building your skills.